Welcome to the Morning News Podcast for Tuesday, December 8th. We begin with our weekly conversation with Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. We get the details on Mercedes' interview with Alberta Minister of Health Tyler Shandro on the rising number of COVID-19 cases in our province. Stressed and anxious. Those are two emotions that have been intensified by the second wave of the pandemic. We discuss the effects the prolonged pandemic are having on our mental health and hear about the resources available to help from the Canadian Mental Health Association. Is money tight this year in your house or are you simply looking for a unique gift you can't find in traditional stores or from an online retailer? Perhaps it's time to look at the resale market. Some tips and suggestions on how to be a second-hand Santa from Kijiji, Canada. And finally, a local company aims to make mask wearing more bearable while still being effective. We hear the details behind the Clear Breather mask insert created right here in Calgary. 610 on the morning news. As COVID-19 cases continue to rise at an alarming rate in Alberta, many are questioning whether the government's pandemic response has been strict enough. Joining us now is Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block, Mercedes Stevenson. Good morning to you, Mercedes. Good morning. Mercedes, it's a question a lot of Albertans have been asking, and it's one you had the chance to pose to Alberta Health Minister Tyler Shandro. Uh, is it time for stricter restrictions? What did the minister have to tell you about the current level of restrictions and uh, perhaps uh, strengthening them moving ahead? So basically what the minister said is that they were going to reevaluate on December 15th, which is still a ways away because they believe it takes two weeks to see evidence of whether or not restrictions are are actually working, whether it's successful. Um, He disputed that the government had acted too slowly, which has been the criticism of some, um, or that they hadn't done enough. He said that these are evidence-based decisions um, and defended the decision to shut down some schools while keeping a number of businesses open and said that uh, if, however, the numbers don't come down, then the provincial government would, in fact, be looking at bringing in greater restrictions. He wouldn't give a number for exactly what that was, uh, but if the the numbers continue to stay high and the test positivity rate continues to stay high, those were certainly factors. Uh, But we don't have a sense of what the threshold was. You know, is it that they hit a certain number, a certain number of days in a row? Is it the test positivity rate grows to a certain point? Is it a certain number of outbreaks? Uh, We didn't have that level of detail, but uh, it's something they're considering. But at least as of Sunday, they weren't considering anything more for at least until December 15th. I think that's been part of the criticism of this provincial government and the health minister himself that, you know, there hasn't been specific guidelines set in place. There's been a lot of ambiguity. And now we're hearing as of today, we may get more restrictions being put in place because our our, uh, Dr. Dina Hinshaw saying, listen, the measures have not been tough enough so maybe this was a a little bit of foreshadowing yeah and that that has been the criticism that if you look at other provinces um the the measures have been stricter at least in hot zones uh where the number of cases are spreading and i was looking at your numbers out there uh, you know late last week early this week yesterday uh they're rivaling and in some days we're we're matching and even potentially surpassing ontario um ontario is a province that is much larger in terms of population. I mean, Alberta has about one-third the population, so if they have the same rate, they should have one-third the rate, but they're getting the same numbers. Uh, so those are very high numbers to be coming in, um, and you're hearing a lot from Alberta doctors and hospitals who are saying that they are worried about overwhelm. The government likes to say that, you know, 50% of the hospitals uh, don't have any COVID cases. Well, that's, that's 
you know, may well be true. I don't know if that stat is still accurate today. But the issue is that the hospitals that tend to get overwhelmed are, are the ones in major cities, which is where it spreads. So if you have rural hospitals with nobody in it with COVID, um, that's wonderful for that community. But it doesn't necessarily mean that your hospital capacity isn't uh, isn't in increasing danger of being affected. So I think it'll be very interesting to see if the Alberta government can stick to their line of December 15th, which is still a week away, uh, or if there will be pressure on them to take measures faster and then if rates are coming down, you can start to take some of those measures off uh, and they'll continue to take the approach they already have. Uh, or if perhaps they will update their approach and, and decide that this is just moving too fast. Um, and as you were saying, you know, Dr. Hinshaw recommending that it might be time for something stricter. Mm-hmm. Mercedes, you know, we heard your word yesterday that BC is increasing, uh, excuse me, uh, extending their restrictions until uh, January 8th basically straight through the holiday season into that first week of 2021. We know a lot about the heavy-duty restrictions in Manitoba and Ontario. So is it clear? Because I know you look at things always through a national perspective. Do we have the most lax restrictions in the nation? You know, I wouldn't want to say 100% because, um, honestly, it changes from jurisdiction to jurisdiction, Mm -hmm. not just province to province. There are some areas that have very strict restrictions, but it's different than yours. I mean, if you look at... Um, Toronto or Peel, they've shut down a number of businesses, but the schools are still open. Alberta has shut down some schools, but there are businesses still open. Um, so it's a little bit of, of apples and oranges in, in that sense. Um, there's also provinces where there are far fewer restrictions because there's just not that many cases. Or if you're in an area, uh, like I'm in Ottawa, that has cases but not a ton of cases, our businesses are not shut down. You can't go and do something like, for example, have a facial uh, where there's no mask on. Mm-hmm. But you can do indoor dining six feet apart. Uh, you can shop at any store that you'd like with limited numbers of people. So it just really kind of depends where you're at. But in terms of as a province, um, Alberta has certainly been one of the last to bring in a number of the restrictions. And a lot of those restrictions have not been as tight in hot zones as provinces in other parts of the country have chosen to impose on their hot zones. What did Shandro talk about in terms of field hospitals with you? Because that's certainly been another bone of contention here, too, is if people think they're not quite getting all the answers that they're looking for when it comes to that. Yeah, so we asked uh, Minister Shandro about that, and he basically told me that um, they actually had something similar in the spring, that it's more of an assessment center for people with mild to moderate symptoms. Um, he disputes the use of the term field hospital to describe it um, and says that this is simply contingency planning and that lots of provinces are doing it. And he insists that that is not a sign that Alberta hospitals are at risk of being overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. I want to switch gears and talk about U.S. politics and the effect uh, that they may be having on our nation. And it was announced that formal, former Federal Chair Reserve Janet Yellen has been nominated by President-elect Joe Biden as his Treasury Secretary. Uh, I'm wondering, uh, you mentioned on your Twitter that this is important for Canada. I'm wondering why you see it that way. Well, because the Treasury Secretary determines the relationship with China and the U.S.'s relationship with China and where that's at is part of the reason why we find ourselves in our current situation, um, which is the very challenging relationship with China. But more importantly, uh, the ongoing detention, it's almost two years, I believe, this week wow. uh, that Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig have found themselves uh, in prison in China on charges that the Canadian government says are completely specious. Um, so the, the tone the U.S. takes will, will be important and the amount of advocacy for Canada and, and what kind of relationship there is 
with China, because ultimately the reason uh, why uh, Stavor and Kovrig were, were put in, in prison was because Canada arrested Meng Wanzhou, uh, who is CFO of Huawei. She's the princess of Chinese tech, and she was arrested on a U.S. extradition warrant. So the U.S.'s relationship with China will matter a lot. It will matter whether or not they drop that extradition request, although that's not to suggest um, that the two Michaels, as we call them, would walk free the next day or anything like that. Uh, but it certainly might help their case. Uh, on the other hand, you know, if there's going to be a hardening position like uh, Australia has taken, and to some extent the Canadian government has started to shift into very mildly, you have to have one thing all experts say. And that's essentially the Five Eyes country all on board. So the U.S., U.K., Australia, New Zealand uh, would really all have to have the same perspective because otherwise China will sort of sort out and pick out whoever they think they can and mm-hmm. pick on that one country on its own. Um, so you have to kind of have that defense against that by having a number of countries taking the same stance. So what her views are on China and whether she's going to tariff China or have a closer or more distant relationship, what that econ- economic relationship looks like, um, that will all have big repercussions for us in Canada. Thanks so much for joining us today, Mercedes. Thank you. Have a great day. That's Mercedes Stevenson, Global News Ottawa Bureau Chief and host of the West Block. 709 on the morning news. The second wave of the pandemic has brought with it many challenges. One that's especially concerning, intensified feelings of stress and anxiety among Canadians. Joining us to talk more about this is Karen Gallagher-Burt, the Calgary Community Engagement Manager at the at, at Canadian Mental Health Association. Good morning to you, Karen. Good morning. Thank you for taking the time with us. Uh, first of all, you know, we, we all feel it, uh, but there are some numbers out there to prove it. Tell us about the, this survey. How many Canadians uh, were uh, polled on this one? Sure. So this is the second survey that CMHA National has done during the pandemic. Uh, the first survey was done in May, and this one was done in September. And it was just over 3,000 people surveyed over Canada, across Canada. And what uh, was really good about this particular evaluation was that they gave us numbers not just uh, for the cu- country, but also specifically for Alberta. Uh, so one of the big things that showed up for us is that in Canada, 40% of Canadians are experiencing that increased anxiety um, and stress. And I would add depression and sadness in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and in, in uh, Alberta, it was actually exactly the same number, 40%. So we are seeing a significant incline. Karen, the one number that kind of caught my eye that I thought was quite powerful was that only 21% said they felt hopeful during this second wave. That's That's got to be a bit concerning to mental health, uh, you know, people who are in your industry. Absolutely. Um, it, actually, hope is one of the things that we often measure when we're assessing suicide. Um, when you talk to someone who you think might be suicidal, we'll often ask them if they feel hopeful. And when they say no, that's a big concern to many folks. And that would be a second part of what was really critical in this survey is that prior to the pandemic, we had done some work and in average society, <clears throat> excuse me, folks that were struggling with suicidal thoughts or ideation was only 2.5%. Uh, in the first wave when we assessed it, <clears throat> excuse me, it was uh, 6%. And on this one, it's 10%, which mm-hmm. means it's quadrupled since before the pandemic, people who are thinking or contemplating or thoughts. Really, it's when it comes into your head and perhaps it rolls around for a little while and you think about it quite seriously. Well, what's really uh, the strength behind this one for me is the fact that it's broken into two. So you get a snapshot of as we move deeper into the pandemic. And I I want you to touch on some of these elements that makes the second pandemic that much more taxing as far as on our being on our mental health. 
uh, some of the things like cold weather and the holidays, it's it's kind of like the perfect storm, isn't it? Oh, it? You know what? It is. And and I think that we have a complicated relationship with um, our government and, and what they're doing and what they're not doing. And, and that adds to the stress, unfortunately, is that we don't know what's going on. Um, and we're a little bit anxious and we are looking for direction, I think. Um, we are seeing that, that, that when the weather gets cold, we go in. There's no, no way about that. There's just a fact here in Calgary, although we have most gorgeous sunshine and the best opportunity to get out and walk or do something in the outdoor space. But reality is, is that we go indoors and then we're all looking now at some sort of holiday restriction, whatever you celebrate. Um, myself as my family, my daughter and her husband live outside our home. Do we bring them in for dinner? Do we not bring them in for dinner? Mm-hmm. Um, and that causes another level of anxiety because, you know, family is all about the holidays and, and, and we're trying to pull that in. So, so many things feel like they're being taken away or challenged for us that are actually our good coping mechanisms. Our social life is often our family. So, Karen, what can we do? I mean, we talk about this a lot, but, you know, I know there's no obviously perfect answer and and those that need it really should reach out because there's a lot of great resources in our community. But can you help us with some of the answers and, and sort of lead us to where we might do a little bit better or feel a bit better? Sure. Well, I can give you some of the solutions that work for me, I know, and some that we've heard some of our clients and our guests say. Um, reality is, is that you need a little dose of exercise every day, even if it's only 15 minutes. Uh, and if you can do that outside, even if it's just a walk around the block, that's fantastic because it's also for that vitamin D. Um, it helps the chemicals in your brain. It really helps you feel a little bit better. And goodness knows, sunshine's fantastic. On the social side, you know, limit your circle as it's described by Dr. Henshaw. But that doesn't mean isolation means being completely alone. There are many online communities that are healthy. There are many ways to reach out to family. I know I've had my 80-year-old mother-in-law and I have learned how to do mm. Zoom together. And um, we've taught her so that we can still see her face-to-face. Um, some of those coping mechanisms. The challenge is, is that the coping mechanisms we usually use are not always available to us. And so we're seeing folks switch, uh, you know, switch to doing some not so helpful behaviors and that's what you want to try and mitigate. I know that for me, spending some time in gratitude is a fantastic thing. And I spend every Sunday writing letters to seniors in isolation. Um, and I send them over to the um, Meals on Wheels here in Calgary and they deliver them when they deliver meals to people. And that's helped me to sort of realize I have a really good focus that I can stay home. I have a partner at home. I have adult children that can support me. And I need to reach out a little bit, and that's extra helpful. My one thing that I think has been really fantastic, I know I've done a couple of courses online, and lots of us have been keen and high-focused. I haven't been that person. I have not learned how to bake bread during the (laughs) pandemic (laughs) at all. But we offer a number of courses at CMHA that are all free and that are all online right now. Um, our online courses include like a virtual discussion group that you can attend, um, a drop-in with friends. Uh, we actually have courses on the art of friendship, number of things like that that are all free. And it's a way to connect with people as well. So, Karen, as we wrap things up, you mentioned uh, some of the resources available. If you can give us the website, it's kind of a one-stop shop, right, if people have questions or want to reach out? You betcha. It's a long one, but uh, our website is www.cmha.calgary.ab.ca. A lot lot of dots in there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would also remind people that after hours, there's always the distress center. One of the number one things that you have to consider is that 
we are negligent of our mental health in regular times. And when it's gotten worse, um, I think lots of folks are afraid to reach out for help. It can be as simple as talking to a friend about it right now and, and sort of differentiating between um, are you feeling sad or do you think you've moved into more of a depression? Then you need to talk to your doctor. But the one overwhelming thing we have found is that people are all experiencing, every single one of us, a version of grief and loss. And I think that's something to pay attention to. And I know our counseling services, that's what they specialize in is grief and loss. Can we get that for all ages, Karen, before I let you go? Just want to make sure, is this, does it, you know, through the uh, CMHA, is this all for all ages and, and all re, all uh, amounts of money or does, is it expensive? You betcha. So we try and make it barrier free. So we do offer services 16 and up. Um, below that, you always need a parental uh, approval. Um, but I would also recommend there the teen line at the distress center, which is all ages. And so we've had, they've had 10 year olds reach out to them on the distress line. Um, but we also make it barrier-free. So our services are based on a sliding scale. If you have no money, you pay no money. Simple as that. Okay. Stuff. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Karen. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thank you for caring about this. Thank you. That is Karen Gallagher-Burt with the Canadian Mental Health Association. She is the Calgary Community Engagement Manager. 7.20 now and uh, holiday shopping is in full swing for most people. But this year, the holiday season might look a little different and so does the way that we're shopping. With some details, we're joined by Kent Sixstrom, who is the Community Relations Manager at Kijiji. Morning, Kent. Good morning, Sue. Good morning, Andrew. Hey, thanks for talking to us about this because I find it really fascinating. I'm, I'm into the secondhand economy in Alberta year-round, but I suspect this is a big deal for us as we're shopping this year for Christmas. A lot of people uh, having a, a difficult time with money this year. Yeah, absolutely. I think the secondhand economy has gained a lot of popularity, particularly in the last five years. And actually, when you look westward towards the western provinces, you see that really uh, provinces like B.C. and Alberta are the champions of the secondhand economy. In Alberta specifically, we actually saw an 84% participation rate in the secondhand economy. And that's a bit of a suitcase term, by the way. It's not necessarily just buying and selling. It could be donations. It could be lending. It could be rentals. All of that is part and parcel of the, uh, the entire secondhand economy. What's interesting, Kent, is yes, you can get some great deals. The price point is there. But also when you talk about Kijiji, the unique items, like for example, I turned to Kijiji last week when I was looking for a board game that the people no longer make. The unique gifts uh, mm-hmm. are a possibility on Kijiji. Yeah, absolutely. That's really the interesting thing. Sometimes when you go on to the site, you don't necessarily know what you might find. You <laughs> might have a certain idea of what you're looking for, but then you go online and you start to shop around and you become inspired because of these unique items, or maybe you see an antique that's interesting, or something more niche that you wouldn't find in a typical mall setting, for example. The things you didn't know you needed, that's exactly it. And from antiques to things that are brand new that people have that are sitting around their house they've never used, never worn, that you can get at a great price. But what are some of the big searches you're seeing uh, for Kijiji in Alberta, Kent? Well, it's really interesting because it's really the year-over-year trends, especially during this this new world that we live in of the global pandemic, where people are staying at home more, they are bounding with their their roommates, their family, their friends. And uh, what we're actually seeing is that things like bicycles and weights and treadmills, really exercise-related items, have seen an enormous spike. So in in the case of bicycles, We've seen a 113% increase year over year in that search term. Oh, wow. So 
people are very conscious about their physical health, their physical activity, especially when a lot of gyms are closed or they don't feel safe going outside. It's a really great alternative for them to stay in shape. Before we let you go, Kent, I mean, we talk about COVID-19 protocols all around when it comes to shopping. What are you telling Kijiji users to, to follow those protocols? What, what, what sorts of things are you suggesting that they do? Yeah, absolutely. So first and foremost, it's really important to follow the guidelines of your local health officials and to make sure that you're trading with care whenever you possibly can. So uh, some of the things we've done on the site is we've introduced new attributes when you're buying and selling. So people can indicate if they're offering to ship the item uh, instead of, let's say, trading physically. Um, We also encourage cashless options. So instead of paying with cash, you might consider something like an email money transfer or using PayPal. And if you are going to buy an item, if you are going to physically inspect it, to make sure whenever possible to sanitize it before bringing it home um, just to be extra health conscious. Excellent ideas, and uh, perhaps the next Christmas gift will be found at kijiji.ca. Thanks for joining us, Kent. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day. You too. That is Kent Sixstrom, who's the Community Relations Manager at Kijiji. 843, it's a Calgary invention which aims to make mask wearing more bearable while still being effective. Clear Breather is a plastic spacer that fits under your mask to increase the space between your face and the inside of your mask to help with mask fatigue and at the same time reduce your glasses from fogging. Yes. Yes, says Sudiel. With details on this local creation, we are joined by Donovan Deschner, VP of Clear Breather. Good morning to you, Donovan. Good morning to you, too. Thanks for having me here. And by here, I mean I'm here and you're there. <laughs> That's right. You're on your you're socially distanced by phone. So let's uh, let's break this down uh, because, you know, uh, who would have thought that months into the pandemic we'd be talking about mask accessories, so to speak. How did, how did this idea come to life? Uh, well, it all started, I would like to say that my mother was the mother of this invention because <laughs> uh, she was having problems wearing masks for long periods of time. So it was getting stuffy in there. Uh, so my dad, being dutiful, set to work to try to fix that problem for her. Uh, he's always been in manufacturing and design. Uh, he started in sheet metal. Uh, so his first couple of uh, prototypes for this looked absolutely horrific. They looked like uh, torture uh, devices. Uh, but he quickly moved uh, to plastics and found a 3D printer, started making prototypes, and 22 or 23 versions later, uh, we arrived at the final product, which is known as the Clear Breather. Okay, Donovan, I've got it here. We've got the, it comes in a little box. There's a bunch of pieces. Explain to us, people can't see it, obviously, so explain to us what what, what is it and how does it work? Uh, well, it's just a little plastic device. It does come with uh, five uh, facial profile pieces, uh, so it lets you customize to the shape of your face, make it more comfortable. Uh, we don't really believe in one-size-fits-all for this type of thing. Uh, and then it sits between your mask and your face. It just rests on your upper lip, and it keeps the mask from collapsing onto your face. It gives you a bit more room in there, and it keeps uh, the uh, mask off your jaw as well. It makes it a little bit easier to talk. So Sue's putting it on right now, putting mm-hmm. the apparatus on, and I was uh, with her when we found the right size that fits her. Uh, she pointed it out, and I, I showed her how to you know, slide it in. Uh, not not complicated, but you have to, you know, again, customize it for yourself. I'm wondering, does it fit every mask, or do you need a bigger mask because this is going to be under? Uh, it's made to uh, fit with the surgical mask. Uh, we have not yet come across a mask that it doesn't work with. Um, it's pretty universal, uh, but we have, we're just being careful because there might be somebody out there that has something that we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. I have it on and it's not fogging up my glasses right now. I'm really happy Excellent. about that. Okay, so why, is it just, is that the fogging thing that it comes up over the, out of the nose piece or? 
Where's the fogging come uh, from? Because it's not like it's, it's really changing where the mask sits on your face. No, the mask should still sit where it's recommended, like over the bridge of your nose, mm-hmm. and it should cover your chin as well. Uh, it basically, just because all that breath comes out of your, your mouth, it stops that from, from going up towards your glasses, so it does reduce the fog. Uh, if, if some people are still struggling after putting on the clear breather, we just say to tighten the mask as well. Uh, some of our testers have found that that's helped. Donovan, who do you see using this? Uh, we see this being used by anybody that has to be in masks for long periods of time, so uh, restaurant servers, uh, manufacturing employees that are working on uh, uh, assembly lines, that sort of thing, uh, air, air traffic passengers, public transit passengers, uh, office workers now that masks are being uh, brought into office spaces. Uh, pr- uh, price on it, Donovan, and, and are all the pieces made right here locally? Uh, yes, we're very proud. We're a family-run uh, business, and we're all from Canada, so it's made right here in Canada and Calgary. Uh, the price is starts at eighteen ninety-five, but as soon as you start buying two, they start getting discounts. We like discounts. You know me, Donovan. I like to have a, a deal. Um, so it's uh, uh, available in stores or just clearbreather.com? Just clearbreather.com right okay. now, but if there's any stores out there that are interested, we'd love to hear from you. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much for your time, and... Uh, this is something to look forward to, uh, look look into rather, if you have trouble wearing a mask presently or wear them for long hours. Thanks, Donovan. Thank you. Donovan Deschner, VP of Operations, Clear Breather. And as he uh, mentioned, his father, the inventor, made in Canada and in Calgary. So anytime we have a local success story or mm-hmm. a local inve- invention, like to uh, shine the spotlight on it.